All right. I'm supposed to introduce myself. Hi, I'm Tab. Um, all right. If you have your Bible on your phones, you're welcome to bring them up. So this is not my regular get-to um, preaching. It's actually my very, very nervous place to be. Um, if we were all in the classroom and I had a blackboard behind me and you could ask questions, I'd be more comfortable, but we don't. And I prefer little people. To big people, you're scary to me. I'm sorry, but I love you very much. You're just, it's my own issue, not yours. And so this is usually Scott's gig, and we are currently in our summer season going through Hebrews chapter 11. And we have been walking through the Sermon on the Mount. We have stopped in Hebrews chapter 11. It's called the chapter of the heroes of faith. And really this whole thing on Hebrews is all about faith. And so today we are going to look at how we sustain our faith. And one of the characters that I've chosen to speak on today is actually Joseph. Because let's face it, he went through a lot of crap and came out shining, you know, shining beautifully through it all. There isn't one bad thing written in scripture about Joseph, not one. And it's really, really interesting. And so I wanted to um, learn myself from this. I've spent many hours. You could see my Excel sheet. I've got some of my notes in front of me and um, many hours studying faith because it's something that is really, really, really important as a follower of Christ Jesus. So chapter 11 is all about the life of faith. And it talks about the different characters in Hebrews chapter 11 pertaining to the life of faith. And so faith isn't just an object. It's not just a thing to be attained. It's something that we actually live, dwell in, and have our being in. Okay, so it should be about everything we are thinking, everything we are breathing, what we are nourishing ourselves off of, and so on and so forth to live our life. The life of faith, it says in scripture, is lived in hope. That comes from Hebrews 11, verse 1. The life of faith is also initiated with Christ Jesus. That comes from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It is also perfected by Christ Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Isn't that encouraging? Life of faith, it's, it's initiated with Christ. You don't have to do anything, right? And it's perfected in Christ. That to me is really encouraging. Really, really encouraging. It takes the stress off of having to be perfect. The life of faith is witnessed by others. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. When we have faith, it equals righteousness. Romans chapter 4, 22 tells us that. Our faith is tested. Did you hear that? Our faith is tested. We are guaranteed to have our faith tested. James chapter 1, verse 3 tells us that. Our faith is meant to be encouraged and strengthened. Acts chapter 15, 32 tells us that. 
And when we have childlike faith, like you do, it is something that God fiercely protects. Psalm 116, verse 6. However, faith can be denied. 1 Timothy 5, 8. It can also be lost. Luke 8, 25. Faith can waver. Jude 1, 22. And it can be counterfeited. 2 Timothy 3, 8. In all of my research, I'll have you know, faith shows up in the New Living Translation. I did the New Living Translation because that's what we like to preach from on our screens. It shows up in the New Living Translation 254 times in 224 verses. And in quite a few of those verses, I would say somewhere between 10 and 20. That's a good ratio. Faith is identified as an expression of love. Did you know that? I didn't know that. That faith was an expression of love. I didn't know that. That was new to me. And Galatians 5, 6 tells us that. It is meant to be experienced with joy. Where there is faith, there is joy. Where there is faith, there is love. Does it sound like something? Love, joy, maybe we're getting somewhere. Faith is meant to grow, Romans 4.20. And faith is everlasting, 1 Corinthians 13.13. It is one thing that transcends the time domain. We are in the time domain of temporal things, This table won't last. The computer won't last, as we know. You know, paper doesn't last. Clothing doesn't last. The the landscape won't last. The buildings won't last. You are in the time domain where things are brought into order and disorder quickly comes. And you see that by reading Genesis, and you see it in the world around you. Nothing in this time domain is guaranteed. But three things pass the time domain into eternity. And they are faith, hope, and love. Faith manifests itself in love, but faith is also diminished in fear. It's like breathing. When you take a deep breath in, take a deep breath with me. This is the awareness of love, and it is the awareness of love about to flow in and through you. Breathe out. And your lungs have been diminished in their capacity to hold the breath, and that is what fear does to faith. Fear diminishes our faith. It's an exhale. When Faith is found in love. We gain courage. And with that courage, we testify to faith. We proclaim faith. We stretch out in faith. We walk in faith. But when when faith is diminished by fear, we coward. We hide our faith. 
We don't stretch out in faith. We doubt our faith. Faith is meant to be safeguarded. That's our job, to safeguard our faith. That came from where? Oh, initiated by Christ as a gift from Christ to you. So I'm going to give you a gift. Here we go. This is my phone. It's my work phone. You ready, Debbie? I'm giving you this gift. I need you to safeguard that gift. According to Philippians 3.1, it's yours to use. I'll give you the password. You've got the password. Oh, by the way, your bill has been paid for. You don't ever have to worry about it. Your data usage, it's unlimited. Your phone calls and texts, you're able to do that whenever you want. That is for you to use however you'd like. And it is yours to steward and safeguard. It is also yours to defend, according to Jude 1.3. It is yours to maintain. You might want to put a protective thing on it, glass protector and stuff to maintain it. Plug it in every now and then. It's really important. And it's yours to pursue. It's yours to safeguard, Philippians 3.1. It's yours to defend, Jude 1.3. It's yours to maintain, Revelation 14.12. And it's yours to pursue, 1 Timothy 6.11. Colossians 2.6 and 7 says this. And now... Just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then, when? Then, as your roots grow down, as you build your life on him, then, Your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Anybody having a problem being thankful for what they've got? Perhaps your lens is a little critical right now. That's okay. It's okay. Do you want to step into thankfulness? Let's reverse engineer this then we must grow strong in truth. And that growing strong in truth is our faith. But how do we get that? Well, we need to build our lives upon Christ Jesus, and we need to anchor our roots into him. Yeah? This is simple math right here. But how does that happen? See, we have a huge problem. From the moment Jesus came in the flesh, it began another clock. Stopwatch started. And this is the countdown of the last days. When you read your scripture, it identifies that Jesus is coming, begins the last day countdown. And it's been counting down since he left, well, since he was here and left. It's still counting down today. And this countdown period of the last days is also considered the time of grace and the time of mercy. We are in the time of grace and mercy due to Jesus' coming. 
his first coming. That clock stops at his second coming. So in this last days, there's some things that scripture tells us to be weary of. It tells us in Matthew 24, 12, that in the last days, men's love will grow cold due to sin. In some scriptures, it says lawlessness. Take a look at what has happened to society in the last two to three years as a result of COVID. Have you noticed people's love going cold? As love grows cold, faith begins to diminish because faith and love and hope go together. What is faith? Faith is the hope in things not yet seen, right? It is the evidence of the things that we believe in. And so when love grows cold, faith begins to diminish. In the last days, we are told that it is going to be like the days of Noah. And if you don't know what that was like, then go back to Sundays when Kim was preaching and you can go and learn about Noah and what made him so special that he ended up in chapter 11, which is no different than you and I. Obedience. But he was the only one who was obeying God. In the last days, it says that when Jesus comes at the end of the last days, he asks this question, will I find faith on the earth? I don't know about you, but when I read my Bible, that really concerns me. Because if he's asking a question, he's wanting me to give him an answer. And I'm like, if there's a possibility that I can lose my faith, that it can diminish, that it can waver, that it can disappear, I'm in trouble. Even though I've got this promise that you are the initiator and the completer, right, of my faith. So how does this work, Lord? There's something here that's amiss. I don't understand. It says in the last days that people will go astray in their faith. Now, if a problem is hard-heartedness or cold love, right, and it's due to sin and lawlessness, then surely there's an example in Scripture that teaches us how to navigate those things and retain that soft heart and sustain vibrant faith that grows, is rooted, and built. Yeah? And hence we get to Joseph. In your Bibles, in the book of Genesis, starting in verse, I mean in chapter 37, begins the story of Joseph. And I'm not going to read all of these things. I'm just going to tell you some of the things that Joseph endured. Okay, the first time Joseph is now mentioned and his story is told, it says, this is the account of Jacob and his family. 
when Joseph was 17 years old. He was 17. This is when his story begins. Shortly after that sentence, it says that he was out working with his half-brothers, and they were tending to his father's sheep. But his brothers were up to mischief. They were doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And so Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things that his brothers were doing. Now, you can read that and go, well, he's a snitch. Right? Didn't cover up my, what I was doing, getting into mischief. We can read it through that lens. Another lens I'll let Joseph share for himself in just a couple minutes about how he saw that. But right after that, we find out his brothers hated him. His brothers were jealous of him. They wanted to kill him. They stripped him of his clothing, threw him into a cistern. They sold him. He was kidnapped, sold as a slave, sexually assaulted, imprisoned for wrongdoing lied about, released, and rose to be second in the land of Egypt. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're anything like me and you have that human heart in you that has an issue with justice, my brothers hate me, see ya. They're jealous of me? What the heck? You want to kill me? I'm out of here. Stripping me naked? Really? Now I'm ticked off. Yeah? Throw me in a pit and leave me there to die? (sighs) Sell me into slavery? How dare you? Each one of these things that he went through, we would have checked out a long time ago. Our society would have checked out. We have an aversion to pain and problems. We'll do anything and everything to numb ourselves so we don't feel pain or confront problems. We'll hide behind our Gigi gadgets. We'll stay locked in our houses. We'll put up every barrier between you and I so that I can protect myself from you. And yet, this kid, this kid did something completely different. According to Genesis, it tells us that God was with him the whole time. In Genesis 39.2, it says, the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything that he did, and he served in the home of his Egyptian master. In Genesis 39.21, it says, but the Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him his faithful love, and the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. It goes on to say, in Genesis 45.5, while he is talking to his brothers, 
But don't be upset. This is at the end. Don't be upset. Don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. What? What are you smoking, Joseph? Genesis 45, 7. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your family alive and to preserve many survivors. Genesis 45, 8. So it was God who sent me here, not you. Now, if you've hung around here for any extent of time and you know me at all, you know that I love archaeology. I wanted to be an archaeologist when I was a kid. And so one of the things I do is I dive into lovely hidden treasures. And one of the hidden treasures that I have with me today is uh, from the Dead Sea Scrolls, and it's called the Testament of the Patriarchs. This uh, was alluded to by the Talmud, and it was found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. And so the Testament of the Patriarchs is their what they said to their children just before they died. Now, scripture recounts what Jacob said to his kids and how he prophesied over each one of his 12 sons and what he said to Joseph and so on and so forth. And so I want to read you a little excerpt of Joseph's testament, if you'll indulge me for a minute. I have seen in my life envy and death And I have not wandered in the truth of the Lord. My brothers, they hated me, but the Lord loved me. They wished me dead, but the God of my fathers guarded me. They threw me into a pit, but the Most High brought me back up. I was sold for a slave but the Lord set me free. I was taken into captivity, but his strong hand comforted me. When I was hungry, the Lord himself nourished me. When I was sick and alone, the Lord himself was with me. When I was in prison, the Savior showed me favor and released me. Amid slanders, he rescued me and exalted me above all envy and guile. For each thing he encountered, he had a counterweight balance that maintained his faith. When there was envy and death, he clung to the truth. Have you encountered envy? Have you encountered death? Cling to truth. When he was hated, he dove into how much God loved him. When he was wished dead, he knew that God would guard him and protect his life. When he was thrown into the pit, he says, the most high, the most high brought me back up. In everything that he encountered, he had a counterweight a counterbalance that stirred his faith, encouraged it, strengthened it, safeguarded it, allowed it to thrive, allowed his roots to go deep and his life to be built on Christ. 
There's 12 little chapters in here in the story of Joseph. I'm not going to read them all to you. Wonderful read, though. Really wonderful read. It had me in tears the first time I I read it. But I want to read to you this. This is with regards to Potiphar's wife. I struggled against a shameless woman urging me to transgress with her. But the God of Israel, my father, guarded me from the burning flame. I was cast into prison, beaten and mocked, but the Lord granted me to find pity in the sight of the keeper of the prison, for he will in no wise forsake those who fear him, neither in darkness, nor bonds, nor tribulations, nor in necessities. For God is not a man. He cannot be ashamed, afraid, weak, or thrust aside. In every situation, he is there to comfort. He only departs for a little while to trial your soul. In ten temptations, he showed me approved. And in all of them, I endured. For endurance is a mighty charm, and patience gives many good things. He knew to anchor his faith in the goodness of God. As the story goes on, and there's many details in here, how does he do this? How does he surpass the challenges? And this is what it reads. You see, my children, how great things come through patience with prayer and fasting. If you therefore practice sobriety and purity and patience and humility of heart, the Lord will dwell among you because he loves sobriety wherever the most high dwells even though a man falls into envy slavery or slander the lord who dwells in him for his sobriety's sake not only delivers him from evil but also exalts and glorifies him even as me for in every way the man is guarded whether in deed or in word or in thought My brothers know how my father loved me, and I was not exalted in my heart. Although I was a child, I had the fear of God in my thoughts, for I knew that all things should pass away, and I kept myself without bonds, and I honored my brothers. Through fear of them, I held my peace when I was sold and revealed not my family to the Ishmaelites, that I was the son of Jacob, the great and mighty man. He prayed and he fasted for the Egyptian woman. He prayed and he fasted to get out. Says that he fasted three days a week and gave his food to the poor. It says that he honored his brothers when asked several times, you must be the son of Jacob because Jacob is crying for his lost son. Words got out. And he said, no, I am a slave to conceal his brother's shame. He held on to truth. He prayed and he fasted. He remained in love even for those who were harming and persecuting him. He prayed for the Egyptian woman. He prayed for his brothers. 
and safeguarded them from public humiliation. And as a result, God, who knows the heart, raised him up in his forgiveness towards his brothers as second in command. And with that knowledge of faith, secure, strong faith, rooted and built on Christ, knowing that the time would pass and he would have to give an account, he came unscathed. And then at the end of his life, when his father died, he says, everything I had at my hand, I gave to them. Even though I was second in the land, I became as one who served them. They went without nothing. I cared for their children. I made sure they weren't harmed. Nobody took advantage of them. I gave them whatever they needed. This is the power of faith rooted in love. And so I leave you with a question. Because we got to learn from Joseph, right? I'm learning. This is hard. I want justice. You know, I don't like it when you look at me sideways. What does that mean? I don't like feeling like I'm being taken advantage of. Ah, oh. You get it? And I'm sure you're all the same. So I leave you and me with these questions. Things to ponder this week. What is the condition of your love? Does it pick and choose who to love? Are some acceptable and others not? Because you will have to account for the condition of your heart. What's your prayer life like? Is it just, oh God, oh God? Or are you coming to him regularly? Sharing of yourself. Into me you see. Lord, here it is. When's the last time you fasted for Christ? Not so you looked slim. You know, I know there's these diets out there where you go without a meal or two and then you eat a late night meal and it's like, you. no, not that. When's the last time you fasted for your relationship with Christ because you wanted him more than any other thing that your heart is desiring or that your flesh needs? And how are you doing with forgiveness? Because we're in the last days. And love is growing cold. And with that, faith is being diminished. But it's your job, my job, to sustain it. Step out of your comfort zone. Ask the Holy Spirit, who you can encourage. Encourage each other's faith. We need each other. This is why we come together. You need to hear my stories of faith and I need to hear your stories of faith because there is another scripture in all of these 254 scriptures on faith that says there's gaps in our faith and they can only be filled by one another. <laughs>